to face, hand to hand, film to film. Welcome to the Film to Film podcast. I am your host this week, James Shergan. I am joined again, uh, of course, by my good friend Inyaki Linero. How are you doing, Inyaki? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? I am uh, hanging in, hanging in. Looking forward to the summer uh, where hopefully we can do a lot more things uh, than uh, sit around and uh, watch films all the time. I mean, you know, yeah, we can uh, go outside and uh, watch films by ourselves, assuming that the vaccine works. (laughs) Uh, I'm pretty convinced it works. Um, Okay, uh, so today we are going into, uh, we are going to finish the Animal Trilogy from Dario Argento, which are his first three films. Um, So we're going to be doing The Cat and Nine Tails and Four Flies on Grey Velvet. Uh, so his second and his third films, both released in the same year, 1971, The Golden Age of Jello, which was kicked off by uh, Argento's first film, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Um, so, um, uh, uh, at this point, Dario Argento, quite famous, um, uh, rising from the success of uh, his debut. Um, so he, uh, he was, of course, prompted to make a couple more similar films. So uh, this is what he came up with. So uh, let's start with uh, his sophomore film, uh, The Cat O Nine Tales, um, released February 1971, um, a German-Italian co-production. Um, the uh, what did you think of this film, Inyaki? What was your general impression? Um, it was uh, it was a fun movie. Uh, it was uh, it was probably one of the more um, it was a pretty complex movie. Like there were a lot of uh, moving objects and like set pieces in general which made Mm -hmm. it uh entertaining it was very hitchcocky like it it reminded me a lot of uh hitchcock uh this film especially when it when it has to when we're talking about like uh the blind character um i'm forgetting his name now cookie yeah cookie (laughs) yeah uh cookie kind of reminded me of like some sort of you know like the 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 one of the heroes that sort of comes upon its position you know in the movie yeah um yeah so it sounds like you mostly enjoyed the film too yeah i did i did okay yeah i mean i i think it's the same for me for me this is definitely i feel like probably a step down from the bird with the crystal plumage but the film is fun it's a hard film to dislike and uh i i enjoy it i have um some quibble some quibbles with it of course um uh, but, uh, I think, uh, you're right on. I think this is probably the most like sort of like jokey Hitchcock, uh, like thriller slash comedy element film, uh, uh, there. And I mean, Carl Malden has even been in a Hitchcock film too. Uh, so he plays uh, cookie in this film. So, um, I, I, uh, I think I mainly agree with you. Um, a fun film, um, and uh, uh, definitely one probably worth watching. I feel like in terms of sort of like the stylishness and stuff like that uh, and the things that we come to expect from Dario Argento and sort of his trademarks and both The Bird with the Crystal Plumage as well as later films, I feel like this film um, has a little bit, has a few flourishes, but is uh, actually not quite as stylish as we, uh, we, uh, we think of him. Um, so I think that's also worth noting. Um, but yeah, um, I also enjoy this film. Okay, so let's get into the synopsis. Uh, real fast. Uh, a newsman, uh, works with a blind puzzle solver to catch a killer with mixed up chromosomes. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, it. This is where <laughs> the plot of the movie kind of falls through, and I would say <laughs> this one sentence summary actually is pretty spot on. <laughs> yeah, um, I do find it very amusing that it mentions mixed up chromosomes. Um, kind of, kind of shows its hand a little bit too much there, but uh, you know, it's fine. I mean, it is a main plot point and is one of the dumbest plot points, but it's a main plot point, not the, nonetheless. Yeah, although I will say it sort of spoils the red herrings because there's like a couple red herrings. Uh, well, I should say there's more than a couple. This film is just filled with different red herrings. Right. It's one of those films where just about every character is a suspect. So there's like stuff with like the the head uh, uh, researcher and his daughter um, that doesn't end up amounting to anything. Um, there's the X Y Y subplot. Uh, there's like the uh, gay German guy uh, who is used as sort of a subplot too. So there's um, there's a bunch of different stuff. And and saying it's X Y Y mix up chromosome does does give it away. Right. Although I mean, like you don't you don't know like. You think that maybe the daughter has the XYY because, you know, this, I mean, the science behind this movie is so bad anyways that like the woman, like a woman having XYY, why not? (laughs) I mean, what if the plot twist at the end was just like, not only is it XYY, it's triple Y. (laughs) Y, Y, Y. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, in that sense, it also kind of reminds me of Hitchcock, too. And Hitchcock uh, really didn't care about, like, sort of the basis of his plot. So a lot of them are really quite silly, um, as is this film. I mean, the science behind it is is just, I mean, it's science fiction, uh, to put it kindly. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it did make me Google or or search in Wikipedia XYY and see what happens. Like, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, apparently, nothing. Apparently, like, people are born with XYY. And, I mean, they might have some learning disabilities at worst. But beyond that, like, many... Like, like, it is called the XYY syndrome. uh, But apparently, a lot of of scientists want to take away the name syndrome because 99% of the people with XYY chromosomes are completely normal like they don't even have any learning disability okay yeah i mean it makes sense uh so interesting uh in in other words they're uh, not killing they're no they're not killing psychopaths (laughs) (laughs) well i thought this film was interesting too uh in the sense that like the guy is they they frame it in the sense that the guy becomes a killing psychopath not because he has the XYY, but because he wants people to not think that he has it. Not people to not know that he has it. Right. Um, no, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Which is good, because uh, uh, it would be much more problematic if it was framed uh, in a slightly different way. Correct. And I mean, yeah. at the beginning, the, the dude is not killing anyone. Uh, like, when he stole the... When he stole the papers, like, he didn't kill anyone, but then... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, it, this is, like, one of those plots where uh, where it's, like, 
the killer, like the bird with the crystal plumage and four flies on gray velvet. They both have like the killer is basically like just deranged. Uh, they have become deranged and uh, they are uh, killing people. Um, this person actually has a motive and they don't start off killing people, but then it's one of those where they uh, they get caught by someone and they get blackmailed and they basically just have to keep killing to cover it up. Uh, and that's right. kind of the plot of this um, in, in sense. It's somewhat different than those other two. I mean, he's pretty deranged in the, in the sense that like he's, willing to kill a little girl for no reason. Like, he's already fucked, uh, and he's still going to kill her. That's true. He's not repping that XYY very well. No, not at all. (laughs) Um, Well, um, I I feel like this film, um, if I were to sum up uh, what I like about it, um, one of the things I, I do like about it a lot are uh, the leads, and uh, specifically Carl Malden, who plays Cookie. And I think uh, James uh, Franciscus, uh, also an American actor uh, who plays the journalist, is also pretty good as Giordano. Um, mm. what, was, what, what was your impression? Do you, do you agree with me? Um, do you, did you like Carl uh, Malden and James Franciscus? I, I did. I, I really did. I thought they both did a really good job. Um, uh even though again these are dubbed movies, um, and you know I still have issues with the the, the dubbing, um, their expressions actually were very very good. Um, there's a scene, for example, where um, where the journalist is meeting with the, the gay German scientist at this gay bar, right? And and the German the German scientist is like, you know, oh, you got really pretty eyes. It's like. A, blue with a with a mix of uh brown uh, it's very rare and the guy's like oh really and like you know like it was one of those situations where i mean se- context right it's the 70s people are more homophobes but like even with that the guy actually really accepted the compliment like he was really surprised about the compliments of the size and you can i mean and the dialogue has it but the acting on the dialogue doesn't quite work but his face is of Surpri- surprise as flattery and I thought that was actually re- really well done <laughs> it's one one area that you know caught my attention yeah yeah I mean and obviously um Carl Malden as Cookie just has good chemistry with uh both Giordano as well as the young young uh child girl uh actor um and I think he does a good job selling it he clearly took this role pretty seriously too uh I mean this is like an Oscar uh winning uh actor like going over to Italy, so he could easily just sort of mail in the performance, but I think he did a very good job. I think it's probably one of the best performances uh, in Argento's films. I mean, Argento, obviously, not known as, like, being a fantastic um, actor's director or anything like that. Um, right. So it's not like the bar is super high to begin with. Yeah, he he did go all in. I mean, there were some moments that were awkward, but, I mean, I don't know if it's, bec- I don't know if it's because of the actor or because of Argento's directing of, like, how a blind person should be. <laughs> like, there are moments where I'm like, yeah, you know, this is awkward, but I, I'm not sure who to blame. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I have come to, I, I think both you and I have come to sort of expect those moments. For me personally, um, I felt like, uh, compared to the other film we watched in this one, 
Uh, I think the performances are much, much, much better in this film, um, with maybe mm-hmm. the exception of one performance in, in Four Flies. But we'll get to that um, in a little bit. I mean, these are sort of interesting companion pieces in the sense that they are both giallos uh, done by the same director, same year, but they're pretty different, actually, in, yes. uh, especially their strengths and their weaknesses. Um, um, I do really feel like this film is carried uh, by the actors. I don't think it'd be a particularly good film if, if they cast, like, two lesser actors in, in, in the roles here. So I feel like they bring, um, they, they make you care about the plot um, and uh, care about the stuff while uh, Dario Argento is throwing all of his uh, famous set pieces at us. Right. No, of course. Um, and I mean, and not later, we probably will comp- do more comparisons between the movies, but even the music is very different from one movie and another. And they're all both com- composed by... Uh, Moicone, right? They are, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not to mention in the next film, Morricone is like doing freaking rock music. <laughs> I mean, right. that's kind of a, a interest. I'm not I'm not exactly sure on the story behind all that if he like enlisted someone else to help him <laughs> do that. But yeah, I mean, it's a pretty it's a uh, it's a score that stretches our image of uh, Ennio Morricone type scores. Um well, let's talk about uh did you have any more thoughts on the characters um uh, the two leads, um, anything like that, like that? Uh, I mean, I thought that, um, beyond the two leads, uh, mm-hmm. the, um, the daughter, uh, mm-hmm. not, not, not Cookie's daughter, uh, the other one, the, um, what's her name? Um, uh, uh, Terzi's daughter, Anna Terzi. Yeah, Anna. Uh-huh. Um, I thought Anna was also kind of an interesting character, uh, and, and the way she acted was, sort of worked out pretty well. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, oh, go ahead. Know, as a character, I thought that she she was intriguing because she was actually a very obvious red herring, uh, and it's one of those where it's like it's either too obvious to be true, but maybe because it's so obvious to be true that it is that she is the killer, and her character herself, like you know, she was like hella sketchy and. Like, you know, whether it was uh, her running away from the cops and stuff like that. Like, I mean, you know, driving uh, in that, on that chase and her driving away from the cops or like trying to lose the cops. I mean, you know, there, there, were, there were scenes where, you know, you would ask yourself and then, you know, her weird relationship with her father as well. So, right, you know. yeah. That uh, that chase scene where she's getting chased by by the cops and stuff that's almost from like a different movie. I feel like you don't get many like car chase scenes in Giallo films. It's almost like out of a Poliziotteschi or something. Uh, right. Although it wasn't it wasn't like a hot pursuit in the sense in the sense that like she was just trying to lose them, but like they were not gonna arrest her or anything like that. Yeah, and yeah. There's a lot of comedy in this one as opposed to you know the Poliziotteschi's like. No one is getting hurt. They're not driving through a bunch of random boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on fire. On, on fire. fire. The boxes course, are I f- on fire. I forgot that. I <laughs> yeah. forgot that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the first world Poliziotesky uh, chase scene. It's like, if you see a flaming pile of anything, must drive through it. Right, exactly. It's like, if you yeah. need to crash on... <laughs> if, if there is a dummy that looks like, you know, <laughs> looks like a person, <laughs> hit it. Uh, yeah. Uh, as for this one, you know, like no one gets hurt in this in this chase, but like you have like those uh, comedic moments where people are like, 
what's wrong with these people? Like, these people are crazy, you know, like the guy who's yeah. uh, cleaning the, 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 that underground pass. Uh, I don't know. I, I thought it was enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. You, you have, like, the older people crossing the street, and they're yeah. like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and everyone reacts uh, to it, too, and you get to see their reactions, and it's always, like, something silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought the humor in this film uh, worked much, much better than Four Flies on Grey Velvet, I'll just be honest. Uh, I mean, humor is obviously very subjective, but for me, the humor mainly landed uh, for this film. But yeah, I think you're right. Anna Tertsi is uh, probably the most obvious red herring. Just about all characters get tossed in there as a red herring. Even, there's even one moment that uh, where they're in sort of that like uh, funeral, uh, the graveyard rather, and they're uh, digging up, I forget that character's name's uh, grave to get the uh, the hidden message in the locket. And you almost think Cookie's in on it for a second when he uh, when we're seeing it from uh, uh, the reporter Giordano's point of view and he disappears and then Cookie comes down and he's got like blood on his uh, thing. And so they even uh, do one of your main leads as uh, Red Herring there. Yeah. Uh, I- I'm kind of curious whether or not like that was intent, like if audience were intent, like audience, the-, the intention was for audience to believe that Cookie was in on it. Or if it was more of the concept of like, oh, this is like the, the fallout moment where the main character distrusts or, you know, the other character, the other main character. Yeah. I mean, and it kind of was the fallout moment for just a hot second before they're like, oh, yeah, they kidnapped uh, kidnapped my niece. Right. I mean, it's interesting because, like, in a, in a, if you were to think of, like, stages of the movie, this would be definitely, like, the end of, like, the second stage or the second phase of the movie, like, in a three-phase structure in the mm-hmm. sense that, like, there's the fallout and the kidnapping so it's like the tragedy like hitting right there uh so this movie is actually very structured like in the classic man in a very classic sense too Hmm. so sort of your three act structure yeah that's what i was trying to say yeah acts yeah Mm -hmm. huh so that would be sort of your third act like that's like the end of the second act yeah right exactly so then the third act is them trying to get back uh the niece Uh uh-huh yeah. Right. Right. Um, okay. Uh, any other thoughts on some of the characters or, or red herrings or anything like that? No, no, no. I think. Uh, I mean, at the beginning, I thought that. I mean, it, it seemed like everyone was just kind of crooked at the beginning. So perhaps because of that, like, in fact, the killer and, so, and at the beginning looks like the most innocent. So mm-hmm. when you have like, I might be wrong, but from what I remember in the beginning, you know, when the cops are questioning the entire, like all of the scientists, the head scientists is like, no, nothing was stolen, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, I believe it's the killer. He's like, what if it was uh, like, cyber, uh, it was like espionage and like they took pictures or something. And, um, and another character is like, what are you talking about? Like, you're crazy like nothing's happened and and everyone just seems really suspicious because no one was help like no one was when it was showing any interest in helping the cops right 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 yeah i mean in yeah i mean you're correct uh this film the, one of the giallo types is uh 
is just sort of rich people killing each other off um, and just sort of fucking each other over. Blood and Black Lace is a little bit like that, too. So this film does have a little bit of those uh, those things to it, uh, those yeah. elements to it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's like all of the characters, I mean, part of it is also like the main guy's motivation isn't necessarily to just kill as many people as he can. Uh, he's trying to cover up the stuff, but instead he's getting, like, blackmailed and all this kind of stuff, which is not exactly, like, super wholesome behavior uh, either. Right. Exactly. Yeah, no, and, and, like, the first kill had no one uncovered the fact that he, you know, had the blind person not got involved, I think there would have been only one kill. <laughs> uh... The, the, the yeah, train. quite possibly. Yeah. Yeah, the train. And if the person had not realized, if the person had not decided to blackmail them, then there would have been maybe no kills. Maybe, yeah. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, like... But also, then it would completely dis- disprove the hypothesis of the XYY. So at the end, because of the, 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 guy who, the guy who was heading, like... The guy who was full on that experiment of the XYY was also the killer. So had, had, the, had he not been blackmailed, he wouldn't have killed anyone. Had he not committed any crime, then clearly XYY had nothing to do with this. Or actually, either way, XYY had nothing to do with this. So, at the end of the day, like, the, the, all the scientists, their hypothesis was wrong. Uh, sure. I mean, it was a self self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, it's true. Um, okay. Uh, well, uh, since we t- talked briefly about the Morricone score, what were your thoughts on it? Um, you know, I I liked it, but nothing stood out too much. Um, yeah, I mean, there were moments where, uh, like. The, the music was good in the sense that, uh, you know, you could have, like, an eerie effect. I would say at the beginning, the music was more memorable. Like, one of the... Like, the first scene where you see they got... Uh, whoever steals the... The... Um, the... Chromosomes from the lab, when you see... And it's in that first person, so you see the person first hitting the guard... And then going and all that, and and then going to steal that. The music there was really effective, but then later mm-hmm. on, like the music, sort of just kind of works in the background, and it's not as um, memorable. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a very good score. Um, I mean, Marconi standards are really high, so it's probably not his best score. I do agree with that. Um, but uh, I think there's some good moments. I almost feel like uh, Argento overused it a little bit, though. I feel like we mm. got a whole lot of the score, um, especially using it to like generate sort of like um, un- uncanniness. Um, I feel like maybe I could have dealt with fifteen to twenty percent less, um, just because it still feels like the score is doing a whole lot of work in this film. It's a good yeah. score though, so I really don't mind hearing it that much. But um, I do feel like it may have been used a little bit as a crutch um, in this film. Um, uh, yeah, but it, yeah, it, I mean, it, go ahead. It doesn't. Like here, I mean, the score itself is good. It's Morricone, so um, of course. But it, it doesn't... Like, there are moments where it's kind of gimmicky, and there are moments where it doesn't quite enhance the movie as much as it could have been 
you like as it could have done it and there are no melodies that are fully memorable either um i i'd say the main theme is pretty good but no it's not the most memorable of morricone scores it's probably not even in his like top 20 yeah uh actually i kind of forgot the theme so i probably should have heard it again (laughs) i was listening to it just today so uh maybe maybe i'm a little biased uh too uh so uh my other uh major thing i wanted to bring up to this film too is like the bird with the crystal plumage and four flies on gray velvet i felt like those films um and sort of the premise that we're framing it with like bird with the crystal plumage that initial thing where we reinterpret sort of events that we saw at the beginning um and four flies on gray velvet where we have the we we learn about sort of the what the flies are and and, and stuff um those are actually kind of neat twists. I feel like this one doesn't come quite together as well. Um, they kind of just uh, stumble upon the villain accidentally just because some blood is dropping from the ceiling. Right. Uh, did you have any thoughts on that? Um, I, I, well, I guess one, one moment. I, I think my main complaint about that is that this film is just a little too long and it doesn't come together quite as neatly as I uh, would have hoped, um, or as some of the better um, Argento Giallo films do. I think I think I agree with you. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of there. All the characters do a lot of work to try to find the killer, but at the end of the day, like none of the none of their efforts are are the ones that get them to the killer. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like all right, uh, they figure out. Uh, the picture probably might show the killer, the full picture. However, the killer kills the uh, kills the uh, developer and steals all the pictures. Okay, cool. Well, they figure out that the lo- locket might have you know the information, and you go through an entire long sequence, which is some scenes. I mean, scenes-wise, there are some really, some really good scenes there, like you know when they're in the mausoleum, you know, take, getting the block it from the from the coffin you know it's a very good scene but then all right they get the locket they give it to you know cookie get, grabs it and then cookie is attacked off screen we don't see what happens but then cookie comes back and he's like shit i don't have the the name of the killer okay you know like at the end like the the only thing is that they figure that the killer probably is probably you know is one of the scientists and they go to the lab and that's when they get lucky with the blood but all their work and everything we watched kind of is has no point beyond yeah the enjoyability of the set pieces yeah i agree it it has a little bit too much as like point a to point b point b to point c doesn't feel like um like bird with the crystal plumage i feel like it feels like there was like a real strong master plot plan to this and uh, yeah. the way it comes together is really nice the twist is really good uh, at least i'm a big fan of the twist there um in this film i feel like you just don't quite have that i mean even the character that it is it's like yeah all right whatever um so yeah i mean uh i feel like it's just not quite the sum of all of its parts mm-hmm. all right um, well, let's talk, um, let's get into the set pieces. Uh, I mean, that's what uh, Argento is known for. So let me list off a couple. You tell me what you want to talk about. So I'm going to start with the first three. 
So the opening uh, one where the uh, the killer breaks into, uh, well, the eventual killer breaks into the uh, lab and uh, steals files, um, knocking out sort of the security guard. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the train sequence uh, where we get a very gruesome uh, train kill. Um, and some and, commentary uh, on that one. Yeah, you want to talk about that? Oh, I mean, oh, it was like, is it like a multiple choice? <laughs> I, I, I'm giving you options. Uh, do you oh, want to talk about both of those? Sure. Let's, yeah. talk, let's talk about the chain one. Okay. Yeah, let's do uh, it. You know, again, this is one of those where there was a very good use of uh, first person because when the kill, yeah. killer attacks, you know, that's when you, when you get your first person. Uh, so very good use of first person on uh, throwing the man on the train. Uh the effects are okay. Uh, I mean, it's a really brutal way of killing someone anyways. So if the yeah. effects were better, it would have been very disturbing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was already kind of disturbing. I mean, yeah. I was I was a fan. I mean, it was just sort of that point of view. And then you got push it. You hear the guy fall. And then you just, like, have that close-up of the guy's face smacking into the train. I know. I mean, <laughs> I, I, mean, I thought it was great. I yeah, was like, no, no. Oh, that's I was like, good. oh yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> this is this is a Dario Argento film, you know. <laughs> and, and and then and then, you know, people were waiting for some celebrity to arrive. Yeah. And everyone like at the beginning was like, Oh shit, oh shit, the guy got run over. Some people took pictures and then they're like, Oh, there's a celebrity and then everyone just walked away. <laughs> yeah. Uh that yeah. was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, the train sequence, I think, is definitely one of the better ones. Also really gruesome. Um, you know, I feel like this is Argento. Um, he's starting, you can sort of just see the formation of some of the techniques that he's going to be using for a long time. Like, there's a lot of point of view in this one. Uh, actually, right. both of these films. Um, uh, I think probably more so than The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which does have some point of view shots, but not to the extent of either of these. We also oh. get some of those, like, extreme close-ups of, like, the eye in this uh-huh. film. Uh, I was gonna say, yeah, the eye I think also kind of worked as a clue. Um, many of the main characters, uh, or and many of the characters in general, had blue eyes. Uh-huh. Um, so like I already discarded like for example the uh, the German scientist. I discarded him because he had like really steely blue eyes. Same with uh, his boyfriend. So yeah. they were not the killers. Um, like. So I mean I was using because the the killer had brown light brown eyes, so that's why I thought it was Anna because Anna actually had brown eyes. Uh huh. And like yeah. there were not that many people with brown eyes in the in the movie. Yeah, I mean that would have made sense. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, let's keep moving on through these set pieces. Uh, the woman strangled. Um, uh, the milk poisoned. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the make milk poison. I like that one. Yeah, um, me too. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I'm a fan of uh, the poisoning stuff. It's, just, it, I felt like that scene felt very Hitchcockian. It's mm. like you know the shit is poisoned, and so you know there's like a danger there uh, the whole time, right? And so, uh, so it, the whole scene is like very suspenseful. There's, 
I mean, I don't think Argento's strength is directing romance. Uh, the romance, I don't think, was particularly <laughs> convincing. But, uh, you know, it, it, the fact that the whole time we're like, oh, fuck, the, the fucking milk, uh, the milk, little milk uh, bags that he got, it's like, you know, those are uh, messed up. And then they have that sort of view where only the milk is in focus on the tray and he's like carrying it over. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that was really well um, directed. No, I agree, I agree. And I mean, even when... Um... Even, you know, the the little moments where you actually see the drop of milk, like, sort of running through the table. Uh, although, at many moments, I'm like, when is he going to notice that his milk is dripping? Does he not care that his milk is dripping everywhere? Like, he hasn't opened the fucking cartons, <laughs> and it's just dripping. Well, dude, was, dude wanted to get laid. Clearly. He wanted to get <laughs> laid and then have some milk. <laughs> I don't know about you, man, but that sounds all right. <laughs> That's what I do every Tuesday. Yeah. Need, need that calcium. Strong bones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. We'll, we'll leave that one there. <laughs> um, Your mom listens to this podcast, so let's not uh, pursue it. <laughs> all right. Shut the fuck up and let's continue. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like that sequence uh, and and him like running over and smacking it away. Uh, I, I thought that was one of the more effective ones. Um, this this film is just loaded with small things. They like break into the Terzi household uh, with that other character that mm-hmm. had lear- learned some new uh, insults from a Tunisian person. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, that one to me was not quite a highlight. Uh, and then uh, Although the break it, in there is. There is, uh, I kind of enjoyed that character quite a bit. I think I I think I forgot about him, but now they reminded me. I liked how he jingled every time he moved because he had like all these tools everywhere. Um, the guy always talked about how he gets caught doing anything, and I was thinking like that makes sense. If you're because his car was like super, it was like a pickup truck that was turned into a car, and like you know spray painted black. And then the guy, whenever he walks, he's like jingling because of all his keys. Uh, I thought I thought he was a great character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they sort of break in um, and uh, pull up those documents and then uh, break out. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like this film, it nails it as far as sort of like these small roles for side characters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Similar to Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Um, uh, and then for me, uh, definitely a highlight was uh, the breaking into the uh, uh, the grave. Yeah. Uh, I thought that one was, was very well done. Um, and that's definitely one of the more extended, longer sequences of this Um where it gets drawn out, they're in there. Um, they have the blind guy cookie keeping watch because I mean, why? I guess what? Why? What else is he going to do? Well, I mean, he, he couldn't do the other thing either. But I mean, actually, he could have. Like the, he could. They, I mean, they could have turned take turned. I mean, this is my inner Nathaniel talking here. But they could have ta- they could have taken turns. Cookie could easily have. Um, I mean, the, the the only one that was open like not the casket but the the space in the mausoleum that was not yet closed was the one of the you know recently dead person right person who recently passed away 
aka the woman that was murdered, right? So yeah. Cookie could have found that using his hands. He could have found where the uh, the screws that you need to unscrew were to you know unscrew them, and then they could have switched and gone to the second part. Maybe the same thing would have happened, but having a blind man being the full lookout sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was yeah yeah <laughs> it's true uh, i don't know i'm not sure i mean having a blind man there is is kind of i mean it's just not ideal for that for any of those tasks there but yeah you're right they probably could have done it better um but as far as the sequence goes it's good um and like they get trapped and there's a low amount of light um i think that part uh, with all the atmosphere and stuff uh, it's oh. not like the Argento film that's like as steeped in atmosphere as something like, I don't know, Suspiria, let's say. It's kind of the opposite of that. But this sequence, I think, is very well done. No, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, the, the level of suspense in this sequence is, is huge because, I mean, you really like Cookie. And I didn't, so I didn't think Cookie was a killer, again, because of eyes. He had blue eyes. So I did not think he was a killer. But, you know, I he's out there on the lookout. You know the killer is in... Uh, is in the cemetery you've already seen his eyes right mm -hmm. so when shit happens outside uh, the main guy gets locked into the in, in the mausoleum um, he I mean it is kind of a it is a scene where you don't know what's gonna happen it, it reminded me a lot actually of thesis when they are, the the main characters were locked in the, that basement of this school which is like oh, yeah good, good call yeah you're yeah. right yeah so they're, they're 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 very i mean he's trapped on hot cookie not had a fucking knife in his cane which is really cool uh <laughs> um you know the the journalist would have been completely fucked and in fact i mean even he says he's like ah shit you know like he knows he's fucked like and and that really adds to you know the hopelessness that works works out really well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and, I wonder if the uh, oh, go ahead. Well, and, and I guess last thing is you know, and Cookie is probably like everyone's favorite character in this movie. Yeah, I agree. So thinking that he died is kind of upsetting too. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder if, uh, side tangent, I wonder if Argento got the idea of a uh, knife stabbing cane from like Zatoichi or something. Uh, like the Japanese uh, blind masseuse that carries around a, uh, a walking stick slash sword. Uh, maybe, maybe. Um, would have come out just a couple of years before this. Right. Yeah, that, that could have been it. Uh, or maybe something from James Bond. Which, I mean, those movies also oh. had, like, those gimmicky stuff. That, that would make sense. Yeah. 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 I could see that. That's probably actually more likely. Um, but who knows? Um, okay. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, how, how, like, how influenced was Argento with uh, Japanese films? Because, I mean, like, I know Spaghetti Westerns, other Spaghetti Westerns were very heavily, uh, were heavily influenced by it. But I don't know about Argento. I've never heard of him being influenced by Japanese films, but I do know in general he's he was a main uh, big film buff, and he was a film critic beforehand. So uh, I don't know. Uh, it's not impossible, but I don't know. It's probably more likely James Bond or something like that, um, uh, or maybe he just came up with it on its own. Um, right. So yeah. Uh, gotcha. All right. Well, 
And then the last set piece um, is the finale. Uh, finale. Finale, uh, where um, uh, Giordano gets beaten up a bunch on the roof, which I think is kind of coolly filmed. We see him really, it's, it's really kind of brutal um, <laughs> and right. prolonged the beating. And uh, and uh, my favorite part of this is the way that the sequence ends uh, with the killer finally getting caught, uh, being beaten down a little bit by Cookie, and then falling down the elevator shaft, burning his hands uh, <laughs> along the way. Um, <laughs> which uh, I was like, I was like, Prop star Gento for that one. <laughs> yeah, I know. That I mean, and the uh, train sequence are creative and brutal. Exactly. No, ex- extremely brutal. Uh, I mean, Argento could have shown you not from the first person perspective and it would have been even more brutal. Um, but I, I think the, the first person perspective of him dying is amazing. Um, I also think that... Um, Another thing that caught my my opinion uh, caught, caught my my point my my eye was uh, when uh, the bad guy is gonna stab is gonna stab the little girl, uh-huh. and how the journalist like literally jumps across like if he was a bodyguard, and gets the stab. Uh-huh. I don't know. I've never seen that before. Like I've seen it, you know, like for mo- like you you hear about the 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 shooter who shoots like someone and the bodyguard, you know, jumps across the the target. To save the target, I've never seen it with a stabbing though. He's just like completely da- like dashes in front of the, the <laughs> yeah. little girl, so he gets stabbed. Yeah, um, seems like he'd be better off just like trying to disarm the killer. But whatever, I'll I'll take it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> um also, it's kind of interesting how. Not uh, the ending. Not not only ends with uh, this brutal death, but with a little girl heard from afar, yelling, "Cookie!" <laughs> <laughs> I did. Do you think that there was a level of uh, humor there that? Um, yeah. Yeah. Adorable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I think this film concludes with a blast. I, you know, some movies. Uh, some movies are like happy endings. They just sort of leave like a smile on your face if if you feel it was well deserved. For me, the brutal death of of the killer in this one, falling down the elevator shaft per, uh, point of view, that leaves me with a smile on my face coming out of this film. I'll be honest. Uh, right. Does that make me a terrible person? Maybe, but I I, I like it. I, I so I must say though I have a feeling like so we've now watched uh, four films by Argento. Um, uh. Five, actually. Five? Suspiria, Infernal, Bird, uh, Cat, yeah. and Fly. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And out of these five, uh, I feel like Argento doesn't know how to have uh, a thoughtful resolution to a film. <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, the, 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 his <laughs> endings are, are great, but, but they're not, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, uh, Suspiria. Ends with a house and flames, and freeze flame, and, and, and freeze frame, done. In an infernal, basically the exact same. Same, exactly. Uh, then yeah. uh, crystal plumage. Um, they fly. They fly back to New York. Oh yeah, that one. That one actually had like a slower ending, and, and in fact, that, that's a very stereotypical ending. Yeah, stereotypical ending, and. Arguably, you know, leaving open whether or not the uh, 
the, because it, it ended with an eerie music. Okay, that one actually is, breaks the mold because that one ends with the, an eerie mu- music, maybe implying that the man, that, that the girl ends up with a psycho sickness. You know, in that movie, it was like, <laughs> oh, you you experience a psychotic situation, then you will become a psycho as well. You know, like that <laughs> that, that was the science on that one. Um, but yeah, this one ends with this, and I know I'm jumping on the next one, but the next one also ends in a freeze frame. Very similar. <laughs> in a very brutal manner as well. Completely yeah, unexpected, yeah, yeah. because both of these are completely unexpected either. And yeah. It's just like, oh, they got the bad guy. Every, everything has been solved. What should we do? Brutal killing, freeze frame. Done. <laughs> yep yep i mean pretty much spot on all right so let's uh let's wrap this one up um so who won the movie um cookie okay you know i could choose someone else but i feel like cookie is the correct answer so i got i gotta go with cookie too yeah. uh <clears throat> I mean, um, the fact that we call Rick, him Cookie instead of his actual name, too. It's Yeah, Carl Malden. I mean, he's a great actor, too. Uh, I mean, he, he does a good job. It's de- it might be the best <laughs> Tario Argento performance. Um, uh, rating, uh, 1 to 10. High 7, maybe low 8. Okay, yeah. I mean, for me, too. Uh, 7 or 8 is about where I come down. I like this just a smidge less than uh, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, um, but it's still an enjoyable watch. I mean, I think we talked about some of the flaws with the film already, so, um, yeah. I mean, one thing about this movie is that it was, plot-wise, I would say this is probably one of the more ambitious films that we saw. You do have a lot of characters. You have a lot of, I mean, a a lot of potential leads. Nine, in fact, Hence the cat of nine tails. Yep. <laughs> Worst explanation of why the the title is that, but okay. Um, <laughs> and you know, due to its ambitiousness, like you had a lot of good set pieces, but in a moment, it do, it does feel a little bit empty. It does feel like it feels right. less accomplished because it, it wants to do more. I mean, but it it, it does have some really good uh, dialogue. I mean, on some moral statements, right? Like, uh, I mean, even the the red herring of the of <clears throat> like the the most important red herring, in, in my opinion, which is Anna. Anna, yeah, Anna. Where you know, like, you think it's her, and then the more you learn about her, about her, it's like, oh, she has this like semi incestuous uh, relationship with her with her stepfather so you think even more that it could be her and then you know she's like oh really you got to figure it out just because i act like a whore means that i'm a liar and then i'm a murderer oh i thought you were better than that and you're like oh shit okay you know don't judge people by their weird relationships i guess yeah i mean she was correct too yeah (laughs) she was not the killer (laughs) uh all right so uh, let's go on to uh, Four Flies on Grey Velvet. Um, All right. Also released in 1971, uh, French-Italian co-production. Mm-hmm. Um, and here is our synopsis. Uh, and then I'm going to ask you your 
Well, no, let's let's say uh, a synopsis. Why not? Dario Argento directs the tale of a rock musician who becomes entangled in a very gruesome murder case. Okay. It doesn't describe very much, but sure, why not? Well, um, I mean, all right. You could literally you could literally use that to describe any 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 of the movies. It's like. Uh, Cookie is a blind man who gets entangled in a gruesome murder case. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't be wrong. You wouldn't be wrong. I think it's, it's, it's a little bit. It's woefully incomplete. You could have a, probably a better one sentence. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. Um, all right. So um, perception of this film. Uh, well, actually, first, did you watch this film back to back with Cat? Not this time. Okay, probably a, a smart choice. Yes. Yes. Yes, I, I believe so, because um, I was able to enjoy this quite a bit. Um, I actually, I actually, I think we might have uh, different feelings. I mean, I, I, I'm going to throw the rating right away. I might bad on that, but uh, like, I mean, both of this I put between seven and eight. Okay. Uh, and, I, and I think this was, because it was a simpler movie in a way, uh, it was more enjoyable, and to me, I felt like you. There was a little bit more of that uh, Argento stylistic, stylistic uh, flair that we enjoy so much. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. I think the stylistic flair is probably the most in this film uh, of the entire Animal trilogy. There's some like really, really nice uh, stylistic touches. This is my second time viewing this film. I saw it um, in 2020, um, early 2020, uh, for the first time. Um, and for the most part, when I've been rewatching these Daro Argento films, I actually, my uh, impression of them improves. And I don't know what it was with this one, but uh, my impression of it did not improve. Um, for me, this I, I do like this film, uh, but uh, it's something about like the leads and stuff makes it like very detached uh from the characters uh like i i think uh the the main drummer guy it's just not i i don't need the characters to be super likable but i don't find him to be terribly compelling um as sort of like our main uh protagonist you know i i agree with you on that i agree with you uh i think this is probably one of the least likable leads uh out of all the agenda films that we watched i mean the guy the guy's kind of an aggressive asshole. I mean, the reason why he ends up where he is is literally because he, out of a, an aggressive con confrontation, he allegedly killed someone. Yeah. And, and, and he thinks he's guilty, too. And he thinks he's guilty, too. And, like, you know, later he, like, bits the crap out of a mailman for no fucking reason. Uh, so, I mean... Yeah, no, I, I agree with you that he was not a very compelling character. I think this is one of those movies where the side characters sort of lift up the film. Uh, in fact, I mean, there, there's a whole sequence where you got the PI who, despite how problematic he is as a character, was my favorite <laughs> character. And... Yeah. I was very disappointed uh, that he died. Yeah, I 100,000% agree. The PI is by far the most uh, charismatic character in this film for myself. Um, he's just 
she's just very likable uh, yeah. in a film that is lacking a lot of particularly likable characters. Like, he's funny. Uh, he's and smart. He, he's smart, yeah. Uh, he, like, he, there's, uh, there's, like, a really nice sense of humor in his scenes. And uh, he's in, like, 25 minutes, maybe, of the film. Um, so, like, a third of it, generously. Uh, and it's too bad he's not in more. Because I feel like if I had, like, one or two, uh, like, either more of him or just more of some other characters, maybe I would have been a little more engaged. I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't quite in the right mood too but this time i was just really like being like man man this drummer guy is like not a fan yeah so i mean like there's definitely uh i mean you could definitely fix a movie by making the drummer guy less of an asshole and more likable because he wasn't even like a funny asshole he was just kind of an asshole period because i mean like yeah i mean there were other characters that were assholes but they were enjoyable like god god was yeah uh, and I mean, this movie was definitely like half comedy, half re- really brutal, like crime thriller. It's kind of. Oh like, yeah. It, I mean, that I feel like that's where the ambition was. It was not so much on uh, plot wise, but on like, oh, I want this movie to be both funny and scary and suspenseful. I want all of that in in a very simple plot. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think it, for the most part, does succeed at at least a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I, and I think, I mean, this is one where I feel like I like Morricone's uh, uh, score more uh, better, or like how it was used. Because you, you get mm-hmm. the, uh, I mean, I almost feel like Morricone probably watched the entire fucking film and then did the score to make sure that everything matched properly, you know? I yeah, I mean, this this score, I mean, like, the, this store has a way bigger range than just about any other uh, film that Morricone has scored. Like, he's got to have that rock music and stuff. And I think the main theme of this that plays over the conclusion, I think that's a fantastic main theme. Probably Same. my favorite of the first, uh, of the first three Argento films. Um, uh, how did you like uh, the Morricone rock music? I thought it was good. I mean, like, uh-huh. I mean, it, it was solid, uh, especially at the opening where you're just doing the drums. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought it was really well done. I'm kind of curious whether or not the main guy was a drummer, uh, for real. Probably good not. Question. Probably uh, not. Yeah. I mean, I noticed that like, the guy who on the on the keyboard, he definitely was not playing the keys that were being played in the music. So, <laughs> but I don't, yeah. I don't play, I don't play drums, so I don't know what the fuck like if that was correct or not. True, true. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I thought that, you know, I thought he did really well. I mean, is it the kind of rock music that uh, I care about? No, it was very generic rock for for the time. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it felt correct for the time. Like Exactly. I mean, obviously, neither of us were born at that time, but, like, early 70s rock. I mean, it's like we're, we, 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 we've rubbed shoulders enough with that sort of cultural imprint that uh, we kind of... It, it felt correct. Right. And, I mean, like, it's not like they tell you that this guy is, like, a superstar or something like that, that, you know, you would think, like, okay, well, my expectations are something... Like my expectations are like the Beatles or uh, Rolling Saturdays. Stone or something, yeah, or Rolling Stones, yeah. Right. No, like my expectation is probably 
a celeb, like a, you know, a good enough guy. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Good enough band, and it was good enough. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was good enough, and I, I mean, also we don't get a ton of the band. There's like two or three musical set pieces, but you know, uh, not set pieces, just two or three musical numbers um, that we do get. Um, mainly the intro, I feel like, is where we mainly get the impression of the band. Um, yeah, so let's talk about um, the intro, um, which I think is kind of an interesting one, uh, starting with the credits, where the drums go in, and then we have sort of that uh, that edit, that harsh editing, or uh, a cut. little bit jar, jar, jarring editing, I should say, with the heart beating, mm-hmm. um, and then we see that uh, he's been followed around, and then it comes to, uh, they come to sort of like this abandoned or empty opera house mm-hmm. uh, sort of situation and uh, where he thinks he kills the guy and like someone in a creepy ass fucking mask uh, snaps a couple photos. Um, what did you make of that uh, opening 10 minutes? Oh, I thought they were great. I mean, they were great. Like I, I actually really enjoyed from the beginning, you know, you, you have the, the drums and then the building up of the, the rock music and those j- jarring cuts with the heartbeats. Mm-hmm. Was you know because the, the with the, the music alone you're sort of like okay this is cool it's kind of a groovy film and all of a sudden you get the the heartbeats and that gross heart that is you know beating on that cut you're like okay it's an Argento film yeah. weird shit will happen and I mean it's and it ends up being not that weird but still weird shit happens yeah yeah. Um, um. I also I do love the 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 costume the mask of the killer, right? It it, it is creepy and it should be in more films. <laughs> I agree. I was like, I want to buy that mask. You know, I don't know why no one pro. uses that for Halloween. I mean, like that that was a very good mask. That's a very creepy mask. I agree. Um, in fact, it, it feels almost underused in this film. I mean, I think you're kind of right on about some of this stuff. I think it also, uh, this film could be seen as sort of like a uh, segue, uh, or at least sort of like a bridge into Argento's later work. Like some of that masked in, like that opera house. Like those sets would probably not be out of place in something like Suspiria even. Um, so, which would come obviously uh, five or six years after this film. So... I feel like you can sort of see that uh, this film sort of bridging that gap from the early giallos of like Bird and Cat to uh, to his later work. Right, especially uh, especially on how he gets to the to the opera house, uh, to how he gets inside the opera, like the main <clears throat> the main auditorium of the opera house, which he's just walking through all these like velvet uh, drapes, red drapes. And it's just first person just hitting the drapes. One, two, three. And like, it's a very disorienting uh, moment for the audience and also for the character. And that definitely translates really well to, you know, Suspiria or later films, you know, like, especially those bright colors. Um, Mm -hmm. So no, I completely agree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, both of these films have some great point of view. I think uh, I think I like the set pieces in this one even more than Cat. I think this one like steps it up another level in terms of style. Um, for me, I mean, I'm kind of going all over the place on these set pieces, uh, but just because you brought up the point of view, um, I really like the point of view that they used on the Morosi kill. 
uh, where they go and like he's like, uh, yeah, that shit with the cat that was messed up. Uh, it's like we need to talk about this, and then like we sort of have like the point of view where uh, the killer picks up a object and we see them like move forward really fast to Morosi and just like beat him with it. Yeah, uh, I thought that was I thought that was great. I thought the timing of that, the the sort of rhythm of the sequence, I, and then like. And then they add to it. <laughs> they show Morosi getting strangled after it. I was like, oh, all right, making sure you get the kill. Uh, but uh, I thought that was a, 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 a quite a good sequence. No, I, I totally agree. Uh, I think, especially, I mean, whenever you see a kill with a blunt object, it's always a, a brutal moment. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's just, it's even if you don't have a lot of blood, which there was. Uh, it's still, you know, it just makes makes you queasy because I mean, you you can feel those like thumps, you know, uh, as you're watching it. So yeah, no, I completely agree, especially on the first person. Um, right. Why did they kill the cat? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like this film has enough of like we have a deranged killer on the loose going on that. Uh, it's just like they could do some different stuff and you're like, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do not know why they killed the cat. Uh, why was the cat? I, and, it... and then like the cat, I mean, it shows the killer being completely crazy in the sense that like not only did the killer uh, kill the cat, but uh, also like hung the cat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a brutal overkill. I mean, it was not a good film for uh, animal lovers. I mean, uh, if if I was like a film theorist or something, uh, then maybe you could like read into something like he's killing his past film by killing the cat. Uh, so he's killing Cat of Nine Tails uh, <laughs> and he's putting it behind him or some some bullshit like that. But uh, I don't know. I, I have no I have no good explanation for the cat killing. <laughs> um. So, I mean. Yeah, and yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, uh, I guess uh, let's. In terms of performances, we already talked a bit about Michael Brandon, who plays the lead, uh, and we also talked about the PI, who I think we both agree was fantastic. But what about some of the other characters? Um. So the uh, uh Michael Brandon's wife is uh played by Mimsy Farmer. Um, mm-hmm. Who is kind of a, a a unique lead? What what did you make of her? How did you like her performance? Are we? I mean, we're going on spoilers, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. This is a spoiler filled podcast. Of course. Uh, I thought she was great. Um, you know, I. Uh, I mean, the character is Nina, right? Um, I thought, like at first. At first, you know, she plays really well the whole role of like, oh, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. And, you know, being very uh, um, innocent about it and, you know, concerned and maybe a little bit upset at him that he doesn't want to leave. And, like, you know, you're like, oh, shit, yeah, you know. All right, typical woman in you know, a movie from 1970s. Uh-huh. And and then when, you know, she comes back and she demonstrates, uh, and you know, like, the twist happens and she's the killer um makes it i mean not only that that but she starts going on her monologues you know it comes out really 
really good. Like, I mean, I, I, I think she looks very deranged. She looks very in pain, yet really enjoying the moment. Uh, as, as she's describing how she was abused as a child and then or, and treated badly because she was not born a boy. And, and then, and, but like, as soon as she's like, and then I met you who looked just like my dad. And she sort of starts like, starts having that maniacal like laughter while also being sad and angry. I, I thought she did a really good job personally. Um, uh, it, yeah, that's, uh, that's at least my thought of her reveal. Yeah, um, I actually mostly agree. Um, I think I'm a fan of this actress. Uh, I think she's got like a unique presence. She's definitely not sort of like, like your classic leading lady uh, look to her. And she appears in a couple different jollos. Um, and I think she's generally good. I mean, she just brings a, like an interesting, like uh, just sort of like offbeat um, physical presence to it too. Just being sort of like taller and really thin. Um, uh, and uh I don't know. Um, I think she does a good job too um, with the role. I mean, it's a much smaller role. My, I guess talking through this with you, my main complaints with the uh, the casting is probably mainly like ninety nine percent with the lead rather than uh, sort of like the second lead or or the side characters. You know what's interesting is I don't think the lead did a bad job. I think, uh, I mean, I think I, I here I fault the writer of the film, which I, it's probably uh, Argento, right? Ar- Argento and I think he wrote it with uh, Luigi Cozzi, a couple, uh, maybe one or two other people. Yeah, I, I think uh, the lead was poorly written, like, um, or maybe that was the intention. The intention was to not have a very uh, right. ch- a charismatic or very um, <clears throat> empathetic character to begin with. Um, and that's a fail, but I don't know if that's the actor's fault. I mean, the the decisions the act, the character makes are are also decisions that you know. Are... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I I don't know how much to blame of the actor. Probably, I I, t- I do tend to agree and probably blame more Argento and in people that his performance is. I mean, the 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 character just comes off as rather eh, uh, and just kind of dislikable. Um, um. So yeah. Um. Any other characters you wanted to highlight? Um. So, not highlight, but I just wanted to point out that I kept on confusing uh, Dahlia with Maria. <laughs> uh, and I looked up the actress, actresses, and I confused them as well. Like, both of them <laughs> looked very similar to me. So, uh, that was one of the struggles I did have with this movie. <laughs> um, yeah. Wh- who is Dahlia? Dahlia is the is the girl who is killed and sees the flies. Oh, okay. So that's the cousin. Okay. Yeah. I I, I apparently have a hard time with names on this one um, because I, I I remember her as just the cousin. Who's Maria? Maria, I think it was the neighbor who would uh, like bitch about uh, receiving the wrong mail. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And the thing is, and the reason I point this out is because there's a couple of scenes where they have, like after Dahlia died, there was one scene right before you get to the finale where uh, Maria is doing something. And I was like, wait, didn't she just get killed? Or was this a ruse? You know, like, cause, yeah, yeah, you know, this is a mystery. Yeah, because, 
Yeah, these films, you don't know. I mean, like, this film, we'd already had one fake-out murder. So, I mean, how the fuck do you know? Exactly. So, I mean, although you do see Dahlia's eyeball, <laughs> because scientifically, they could get the fucking flies out of that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um... Well, Dario Argento was a film critic before he was a film director, not a science writer. Uh, it's funny, actually, uh, that that the the fact that you know the police are like, oh yeah, we got this technology now that we can scan the retina for the last thing that the, the person saw, and you know, th I would call that sci-fi, except for it's set in the present, but that that's definitely sci-fi. And what's interesting is. Black Mirror has done an episode of that as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. But they make it seem more realistic there, given that anything in Black Mirror, any technology in Black Mirror is something awful. Okay. They try to sell it a little more. Yeah. I mean, they sell it as something real. It's like police abusing the system okay and mis misusing it or actually insurance companies misusing the system shit like that okay yeah they don't do that here um all right well let's get in or what are you gonna say no 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 go ahead okay let's get into um uh some of the different set pieces i think we talked about a couple of them already uh one interesting thing about this thing I just wanted to quickly make as a point you don't even have to respond is uh, all three of these films one difference is uh, you know a slashers and Argento has this reputation of just like killing different women and stuff like that but these films actually are mainly they're killing both genders and, and yeah. they, a lot of men get killed in both of these films it's only at the very end where the cousin gets uh, stabbed that I think we have uh, no I guess we had the park scene too where the woman gets killed but uh, there's like we see some pretty brutal kills of like Morosi as well as the PI, um, so just wanted to bring that up. Um, mm -hmm. So some of the uh, set pieces we talked a little bit about the opening. There's also the park scene, which is sort of an interesting companion set piece to the one in the Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, which also was in a uh, park. Um, there's the Morosi scene, uh, which is the point of view one that we talked about. Um, there's the private investigation one. Um, and uh, there is uh, the uh, the one where the cousin is trapped in the house and mm -hmm. uh, is trying to avoid the killer. Uh, you want to talk about any of those? Uh, yeah, I mean, so one, uh, I mean, with the, the park one, mm -hmm. I want to talk about a little bit of the setup before it uh, as yeah. well as um, probably my Ian and Nathaniel on that one. <laughs> okay yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think i know where you're going with this but uh let's hear it all right so the setup actually so first i want to i want to point out and this is comment about maybe a part a reason why i really like this movie and is that i feel like uh, argento really enjoyed making it or enjoyed uh -huh. playing with all the different elements that he could in this film so i, I think that i really liked here is that the woman who is blackmailing the killer or at this point it was the harasser it was not a killer yet um the scene where she calls the whoever's harassing uh you you get a, a really nice shot of her making the call talking and then 
that uh, and then the camera follows where the cable of the phone booth goes into then the uh, connecting room that then goes to the building wherever the killer is and that, that that was just a really cool sort of scene that uh, I do not expect on this kind of movies you know and you get like a yeah, yeah. you get music accompanying the entire part so it makes it very clear this woman who I think is a maid or something you know, right. know like she knows who the killer is or well not yet not yet killer but the blackmailer and she kind of knows what right. what's happening and she blackmails this person to meet with her at a park at a particular mm-hmm. hour now Another thing I really enjoyed was the passage of time in the park, where she's sitting in the park, you have this music, you have the children, and all of a sudden you have this jarring, music is over, cut into, kids are there, and the kids are not there. Uh, Shit's moving, shit's no longer moving. And then it's dark. All that, very cool. So through, through I mean, all of these are elements that I feel like Argento was really playing with editing, with uh, movement. With the camera place placing, very enjoyable. Now my inner Nathaniel will come out. Oh wait, before my inner inner Nathaniel, last part is the park itself, the persecution, beautiful. Like uh, her going through those really narrow cor- corridors where she can barely fit, and you get the uh, uh, <clears throat> you have the spider webs. You know, it gives you that creepy feeling, and also. Uh, uh, you know, you get you get both suspense but the terror happening, and then her being on the other side of the wall and someone like people hearing her and trying to help her, but the wall is too high and then she gets killed. All of that, very good. And Nathaniel comes in and will say, she scheduled a blackmail meeting at a particular hour in a public place, probably because she knew that this would be dangerous. No one showed up. So why did she stay there until the park was closed? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a great point. I think she was probably um, on her phone checking Twitter and just got lost uh, lost track of time. <laughs> but you're right. There's, there's no real explanation. Uh, <clears throat> but you're right. Uh, I mean, I, I'm glad you pointed out a lot of stuff on that scene. Uh, I mean, I think for me, the thing that is striking in that scene is exactly what you pointed out, how it just cuts really rapidly and jarringly from sort of like it's light out kids are playing to oh it's dark and no one's fucking there um, yeah I, I mean um, it, it, it's funny because i i actually really liked your comment about her being on twitter because if you make this film today that actually might make sense like uh, you're sitting down, you're planning to do something, and then the person, maybe the person goes on the phone and is on Instagram, Twitter, whatever, and all of a sudden it looks up and it's like, shit, it's nighttime. Where'd everything go? And that actually makes almost more sense today than it would back then. Yep, I agree. Uh, Was I, she reading? I, mean, I don't think so. I mean, the way it cuts, it's kind of just like, I don't know, maybe she passed out. But why the hell would you pass out if you're waiting for a blackmailer? I mean, if you are the blackmailer and you're waiting for your victim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, you're right. That, that, is, uh, that is a bit of a hole. Um, so 
thank you, uh, Nathaniel. That was Nathaniel's corner for uh, this this movie. Uh, um, but yeah, good sequence. Good sequence. Um, also interesting that the actual kill, I think, becomes uh, off off camera. True. Yeah. Which uh, is interesting. Um, uh, I also wanted to talk a bit about... Wait, um, wait, wait. Go ahead. Sorry, before yep. that. Now, my inner Nathaniel kicked in one more time. Because this, this happened at night. <laughs> this is more of a continuity issue that I'm having uh-huh. with this movie that I just realized. And maybe you can correct me because maybe I'm wrong. But this happened at night at a park. And then there's a party going on at the at the Leeds house with his wife. Or not a party, but a get-together. I don't know, that house always has people, I noticed. Uh, uh-huh. Seems like there's a get-together. And they receive a phone call, and the wife answers the call, and that's when she receives the news that you know, this woman got killed. Oh, well, maybe the wife hustled. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can't really think of it. I mean, it's hard to know how much time passes. Uh, maybe the people that heard her die or didn't call the police or something like that. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, could have been a big park. Hard to say. Yeah. Uh, maybe the park was right next to the their house. True, true. Could have been. Uh, okay, well, uh, the set piece I wanted to bring up was uh, the one with uh, uh, Dahlia, the cousin, uh, who... Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is kind of like your equivalent of the uh, graveyard scene in Cat of Nine Tales. It's very quiet. It's drawn out. I like the way that we just sort of hear footsteps. Um, and it's a really, really quiet sequence overall. And then it just sort of ends, uh, ends very, very violently. Uh, we see her falling down the stairs in a really cool shot, and then we see her getting stabbed in another shot I really love. Mm-hmm. I thought the that kill was uh, really, really well executed. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Any thoughts on this one? No, I, I, I agree. I think it's one of the... Once again, this is one of those scenes where it gets uh, almost claustrophobic because, you know... Um, is her being clearly enclosed in a place where she has no escape, right? Um, and what's interesting also is that this is one of those scenes where it gives you a clue of who the killer is, right? Because she sees a killer and she kind of smiles, sort of trying to be like, calm down, and then, you know, uh-huh. gets her shit ruined. Um, I also liked how she fell down the stairs. Yeah, no, I thought that was a great shot. Yeah, uh, the camera placement on her face as she's like bouncing off. That was a really interesting shot. No, I agree. Yeah. I, th- I think this is a, is a very good scene. Um, right. I, I mean, I think I'll remember two shots from there. The one you just pointed out and then the knife coming down uh, and mm-hmm. stabbing. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, pretty Pretty quick, like not much suffering either. Right, right. I mean, it's a really quiet sequence that ends in just sort of like explosive violence. Um, all right. And then uh, uh, last set piece, uh, if you want to talk about it, is the uh, conclusion uh, mm-hmm. where we get the reveal um, uh, where it's the wife all along. Uh, wife starts taking shots at our drummer boy um, uh, before uh, God saves the day. 
uh, wife runs out and uh, is this, driving away. This is away. literally a Deus ex machina. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> God uh, saves the day. Godfrey saves the day, uh, and uh, it ends with a. Uh, slow motion shot, um, and apparently Dario Argento got some really special cameras for this to shoot in like a thousand FPS of uh, the wife had driving her car into the back of a truck and uh, it exploding. I was curious about that. I, I I was wondering whether maybe they they got that shot at uh, like a car crash testing place, like a car safety testing uh, testing place. Probably because that makes sense. That that's the only place where you actually get those cameras. I mean, those places where you get actually the camera, the, those cameras and those camera shots, and they test out car crashes in different situations. Uh, so I thought that that was probably how they got that shot, especially from under. I do love the uh, the cherry on the top, in which not only are you seeing the car the crash. As it's happening slow mo, but then you see the head rolling. <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot of beheading, and and it does a really good job at connecting that uh, uh, the main character's uh, dream or nightmare of the beheading in Saudi Arabia with the beheading <laughs> of uh, of her at the end. I yeah. don't know what the sure. message was. Sure. Yeah, no, nor do I. I, I thought. I, Personally, if it were me, I probably would have cut the random stuff in Saudi Arabia. But it is, uh, I mean, it does fit together at the end there. Yeah, I mean, what does it mean? I don't know. Uh, but he wanted to show <laughs> us that. And, and he did a really good job at showing us that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually was kind of happy. I was kind of glad that, that uh, the reveal was that, I mean... <laughs> That is probably the wrong word, but you know, like, um, when it comes to, and going to a political corner with Inyaki here, uh, when it comes to like you know LGBT on uh, horror, many uh -huh. times uh, there is an issue. There, there are issues with, uh, especially with trans. Historically, there end up being like. Oh, this is the killer because the person believed that it was a woman, but he actually wasn't really trans, but still believed that it was a woman or vice versa. Uh, and that's why the person's a deranged killer, you know. And I mean, like you got that in Psycho, in a way, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, Psycho kind of kicked kicked it off, unfortunately. Exactly. So you got it in Psycho. Uh, you have it. You had a whole bunch of you know exploitation movies in the seventies and eighties doing that, and then uh, you know, uh, Silence of the Lamb. Probably the another amazing and very well known movie that does it too. Yeah, um, and I thought I, I was kind of afraid that this would be within one of those, and it wasn't quite that. It was more like you know, like yes, her father wanted a boy, and she beat her like she he would have beat a boy instead of a little girl. Uh huh. Sure, but at the end of the day, it was more of a she had a fucking horrible dad, and that was the real the reason why she was a killer, and not because. You know, she had like body dysmorphia or gender dysmorphia, whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Term is. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, good point. Good rant. Uh, yeah, I approve of your rant. Yeah. Um, did you like the conclusion? That last sequence. I mean, 
Which are we talking about <laughs> the entire last scene, or are we talking about... anything you want? Anything I you mean, want. I kind of also. So this is one thing I kind of wish that had happened. I wish the main guy died. <laughs> I would have been completely fine with him dying, and her running away and getting her head chopped off. I think I think that would have been like a, an interesting, um, darker ending perhaps. Yeah, like, I would have been okay with that too. Like Godfrey shows up, and that's why she runs away. Uh, you know that that would have been something. Yeah, yeah. Um, beyond that, I mean, like again, it's a it's a an Argento ending. You know, freeze frame, done. No, no, yeah. no further resolution is needed. I don't care. <laughs> we don't care if that guy got shot two times and he maybe he di dies of bleeding we don't care about that true we, yeah we, we don't care i, mean, I kind of huh? oh, go ahead no i was gonna say we don't care if godfrey gets blamed for the man being shot <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true that that'd be that'd be the dark ending it's like he dies too and then godfrey gets blamed for it all i mean it, I don't know. It just makes me seem think of um, like the difference between the Morricone film and like another film. I'm gonna make a weird comparison here, but you know, like not Morricone, uh, 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 a um, Argento film. Get out! All right. So you have the ending. The guy's running away. You know, he kills uh, uh, the grandpa, and then you know the the girlfriend is next, and he kills her. And had it been Argento, it probably would have ended with him shooting her at her, and her face, may, like her head, maybe exploding. Freeze frame, amazing music, and that's it. And, and oh my god, I kind of, I kind of want to see that. But but you know, I kind of want to see that. <laughs> yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying. It's like you, you, I, <laughs> there, there is an emptiness to it, though. Like you're like, all right, but what happened next? What happened to him? <laughs> I was like, you know, Argento uh, said, I don't get it. I a like shit. that ending. <laughs> True. <laughs> All uh, right. Well, I think I, I think that's a good place to uh, uh, conclude it, unless you have any last thoughts on other things with this film. I mean, we used to have a se section saying, how well did it age? Or something like that. Mm, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I'm going to use this for the, the three films because I believe there was a gay character in uh, the first one too on this trilogy. Uh, I th yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, there was at least the trans character in the police lineup. Oh, no, and, and there was a gay guy uh, at the... At the oh, yeah, the, the, the art, art dealer. Right, yeah. right, right. The, yeah. art, the art dealer. Yeah. So... The representation of gay characters or gay individuals. Uh huh. How did it age? I think I tend to be a lot more lenient than the average person, uh, like coastal person. Uh, but I actually would make the case that they've aged okay. Uh, mainly because there, it doesn't fall into a lot of the uh, pitfalls. And it does offer some representation. Does it have some gay stereotypes? 100%. But um, I'd say the characters um, 
in all three films are mainly positive characters. Uh, okay. They're, they're not negative, at least. I mean, in 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 uh, Crystal Plumage, the guy was kind of uh, like a little bit of a harasser. Eh, it's it's the seventies in Italy. It's like I, I'm pretty sure. It, it, I don't know. Maybe I've seen too many Poliziotteskis, but eh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because uh, I mean, like my 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 thought is, all right. Would any of the, these characters today survive? Like survive a film? Like would a film with these characters do well in twenty twenty one? The way that no. they were portrayed, no. So did it age well? No. However, I mean, I'm gonna put aside actually the other two movies. I think in the other two movies, the representation of the characters was not great. It was neutral at best. Uh, I mean, the level of flamboyance is insane, and because of that, it's kind of insulting. I mean, they're just caricatures of, you know, what a stereotype is of homosexual. But besides that, putting that aside of those other two movies, in this movie probably was the, probably the, the best representation even maybe in the 70s, I mean, or, or in, in the early 70s, like maybe for, for mainstream movie. Uh, the, the PI, though extremely flamboyant, was probably the, as we said, both of us said it, like, he was our favorite character. And not because he was funny, but, but like the guy was like clever. The guy was actually moving the plot forward. He was going, he went to the uh, insane, asi insane asylum. He went into all the places he needed to go. He actually was doing his job, and it was kind of it was fun to watch him, like you know, interact with people. Um, and uh, an ambulance going by. Anyways, uh, all in all, I think this is the one that did, did probably the best, and you know, showed the character as not 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 only as he's gay. But he's like an actual person. Yeah, it, it's a real role. I mean, the other ones are more just like really, really minor side roles. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I tend to think of like the really stereotypical roles that take place in the other ones as somewhat of a positive progress, however flawed it is. Uh, just because like, would you rather have that? I feel like you need to have those roles happening before you have stuff like it. Like, the alternative is to not have that role at all. Um, and I kind of think it's better to have, like, the really flawed stereotype. And we also have to look at it in the sense that, like, the stereotype is not... I mean, like, we're in 2021. Our lens is extremely different to no, I agree. doing the stuff. Which, than, is, which than, is why I was saying, like, in its, its, yeah. at, at, at its time... Like, the thing is that I, for a product of the 70s, like, I think the other two characters were squarely a product of the 70s. Like... All right, they're gay, but they're kind of you know, it, it's kind of played for a humor side, you know, because they're a little bit harassy, you know, they're they're like the the lead is being harassed by this gay guy, and it's kind of funny because it's awkward because the lead has to interact with them, but you know, it's just kind of a an awkwardness, almost for comedic value, you know, while this one like you literally are following and you are in the eyes of the gay person and I think this is the one that actually makes a jump to something that is actually more empowering than the other ones 
Uh, because it's true. I mean, I mean, Cat though. I will say, even though the character you don't necessarily get to explore it, but that character is like a very accomplished uh, person in society and a scientist as well. So, uh, like, even uh, if uh, uh, if the role is, I don't know. I mean, the role it's it's more it's more of a role than a uh, bird. True, but I mean, he hangs out at like this weird promiscuous bar, and he stole the boyfriend of another guy who. Will kill himself. I mean, I get it. I mean, the, the the bar. I mean, I don't know that the bar was portrayed super negatively. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I maybe I'm just. I, I mean, these are weird pet peeves of, of you know. Of course, yeah. I mean, like, uh, I, I'm being, I'm just putting it in point of view, and I'm not saying like, oh, I'm offended. Like, I mean, again, looking at it as a product of his time, I recommend the movie. I'd say it's good. I don't, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, the same way I would say about you know, movies that people have banned or not banned, you know what I'm saying? Like people, some people want to cancel other movies. I'm like, no, don't cancel it. But looking at it, just bringing that discussion. Cause I mean, let's see, there's a gay character in, um, cause you were talking about like, oh, but at least there's some representation and sure. But I mean, there was gay representation in, uh, the Maltese Falcon and that movies from when, like 1940s, 1941. Uh, but it's, yeah, I mean, that one is, I mean, I agree, uh, but like representation, even if it's neutral, I would say, uh, is is positive. Yeah, I mean... Maltese Falcon is not neutral, though. No, it's negative, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so you're, you're pointing out more on the concept that it, it's neutral. All right, yeah. that's fair. I mean, I mean, having gay characters in like three films in a row, I mean, like, if we look at it fully from like the historical contest, like... Dario Argento would be like a straight progressive. Like, oh yeah, time. probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like not even close. I mean, just having that much gay characters have screen time and progressively more in each film too. Mm. I mean, like you could make the case that like the character in the second one is kind of a bad person and stuff. Yes, but so is everyone else in that film, <laughs> other than our two leads. So I mean, I don't know. Uh, so, I don't know. Yeah, he's he's just another character, and they do play up the gay aspects of it. But, I don't know. It's not... I'm not... Uh, I don't think that character is uniquely bad in that film. No, I, I agree. Like, again, as a product of his time, maybe you're right. Maybe it, maybe it, it is more progressive than than your average thing. And, I mean, and at the end of the day, actually, now that I... You you mentioned you, you've said it a couple of times. Maybe maybe you're right. The fact that we are even talking about it because I mean, in an American film, you would not see a gay character at all unless it was yeah. a complete fucking clown. Yeah, I mean, in Maltese Falcon too, it's like fucking, uh, it's it's shielded. It, they it's not obvious. Uh, they don't do, do not. It's like kind of coded that they're gay. Right. And it's I feel like it's much more obvious in these films that come. 30 years after that. Well, I mean, they even say it, right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, and that's why, actually, I really love the PI guy. It's just like, yeah. He, he even, like, points it out. Like, he's like, hey, I'm, I'm a man, just like you. Although then later he plays with the whole statistic conversation, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, well, uh, there you go. That was an interesting discussion. Uh, <laughs> glad you brought us there. Um, we're going to move on and finish this up. Uh, who won the movie? In this one? Oof. Yeah. It's difficult. Oh, oh. Jesus, I don't even know what I'm going to answer. <laughs> um, uh, 
Yeah, this one was a tricky one. Huh. Uh, I guess I'm going to give it to Argento, just because I think we're starting to see the stylistic flourishes and stuff like that um, in this film. I mean, I feel like this film uh, is a much better example than Cat of where he's going to end up as a director, mm. uh, in the sense that like characters and stuff get de-emphasized. So I'll give it to uh, old man Dario, who was a young man at the time here. All right, I'll give it to child two, Dario Argento. Because he's, he was younger than us by, back then, right? He would have been 31, uh, 30 and 31 when these films came out. So yes. So yes. Slightly, yeah. but yes. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead. Yeah, I'll give it to Argento as a director, not as a writer. Good call, yes. <laughs> Argento, the writer, not not so great in this film. Especially, I mean, I feel like they made one flaw, and unfortunately it's a major flaw in, in that. Um, but, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that consider this to be uh, Arge- one of Argento's masterpieces. I personally don't consider it to be quite up there on the level of his best work. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, yeah. Um, so, last thing, wanted to do rating, and then I also wanted to just hear your thoughts on Animal Trilogy, like how you rank, sort of how you place those films, how you rank them, um, that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, so I said it before, but I'll say it again. Seven and eight. Yep. Seven or eight. Between uh-huh. that area, uh, as rating goes, uh, as for the animal trilogy, um, I'm I'm a little bit curious on why we call this a trilogy. Uh, I I mean I read into <laughs> I, I I read like I, I read on Wikipedia and it's like it's sort of like it's just because the names have animals in it, but like you know the. Right. They're also the same era. They're like three Dario Argento Giallo films from like a span of like two years. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you'll see that he doesn't ever quite make a film like these right. again. Like his next film is Deep Red, which we're going to do at some point. Um, and that's similar but different. Right, but right, I right. Know. I mean, that's that's one of his most famous films, right? Yes, exactly. Um I mean, so what do I think? Uh, uh, I mean, like, they're they're good. I mean, they're fun. The, the, all three of these films were uh, are very fun to watch. Uh, they're they're enjoyable. You got you got a lot of comedy in it, as well as uh, seriousness. And I think Argento does make a good job at that. I mean, you know, you like in all three films that we've seen. Uh, you get like some weird moments that are quite enjoyable. Like uh, you had that in in the first one, you had that scene where, you know, someone is following someone else and then they end up at like this conference where everyone's wearing like a yellow jacket or whatever. <laughs> and that yeah, was kind yeah, of yeah. like kind of random and funny. Um, in this one, there is that uh, trade show of coffins which is oh yeah that was fun just yeah, yeah fun like it was just hilarious I've, I've never had a complaint exactly <laughs> <laughs> you know uh and so when it comes to that i i think if if all three of these films have a similar um feel to it i mean or if argento changes significantly from from this yeah i enjoyed i enjoyed the humor a lot on all three of them i mean i i loved god that the first the first time you see God, you have a choral sound in, in in the background singing Hallelujah, 
you know? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's the kind of shit that uh, I, I would say would put maybe someone out of a movie, but I ate it up. Okay. Yeah. For me, that sense of humor doesn't quite land as easily. Um, I like the cat sense of humor more, but I agree with your overall point that there's a lot of uh, fun, humorous points to all three of these films that do uh, add up. Uh, did you have a um, rate, like, what's your, if you were to rank the Animal Trilogy, would they all be pretty close together, or do you have, like, one you prefer over the others? Uh, I think they're probably all pretty close together. I, it, I'm, I kind of almost entirely forgotten the uh, Crystal Plumage, beyond, like, okay. beyond the main plot, right, like, uh-huh. so, but I've forgotten, like, you know, the details of it. Uh, I would have uh-huh. to watch it again already. Um, but I do... I do enjoy, or uh, yeah, I do enjoy this films in that I, I I I would put them like in a similar rating. Okay, yeah. Um, for me, uh, this film uh, is something like a seven. Uh, I I almost went down to six, but I think I'm a seven. It's a good film. Um, I was hoping to like it a little bit more this time around. Um, and for me, my ranking of the Animal Trilogy, they are all pretty close together. I think they're all worth watching for sure. Is a uh, bird, cat, then uh, fly. Uh, so, bird is I think probably still the best intro to Argento, and the other two are fun, um, but you know, slightly flawed films um, mm-hmm. uh, that prevent it from being like truly, truly great. Yeah, I I would agree. Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you, Inyaki. Any uh, last words before we uh, close it out? No, I think uh, <clears throat> I think that's so. I gotta say. I mean, uh, of course, if people have comments, you can always yeah. send send it to us. Za film to film at gmail dot com. Za film to film on Twitter. Uh, let us know how you've liked these episodes. Uh, let us know how you've liked all these uh, Jello films. Yeah, uh, always curious to hear from people. Exactly. I mean, um, uh, also, if you can, whatever, whatever you're using to listen to this shit, if you can, you know, subscribe. <laughs> yeah, give us a five star rating. Five star rating, like or whatever, yeah. whatever your yeah. thing. Go on to your mom's account and subscribe uh, yeah, too, sure. and she'll be like. Well, what's this thing? This film to film thing, and maybe she'll give us a lesson. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we want to share more. <laughs> yeah, especially with the mothers of the world, or the fathers. We don't have to be sexist <laughs> here. Yeah, the madres and the padres. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you, Inyaki, and uh, we will uh, see you all next time. See you next time.